Welcome to the Military OneSource podcast. Military OneSource is an official program of the Defense Department with tools, information, and resources to help families navigate all aspects of military life. For more information, visit MilitaryOneSource.mil. I'm Bruce Moody, and uh, in a previous episode on this podcast, I spoke with Kelly Smith, and she's the program manager for Military OneSource, and we talked about MilTax, which is a suite of resources through Military OneSource that includes free tax filing and free tax consultants. So we're going to talk about taxes again, and uh, this time with Susan Mitchell. So Susan Mitchell is the executive director of the Armed Forces Tax Council. She also serves as tax counsel for the Department of Defense. And uh, so this time around, we're going to talk about tax law, um, specifically the changes to tax law um, that affect military families and the taxes that they file. Yeah, we're going to get a little bit into the weeds, a little bit of detail. So uh, just so you know, what we're going to be doing is providing a transcript to this conversation that we're going to be having today. So you can make a note of it when you go to the Military One Source Tax Consultant uh, to say, yeah, I want help here and here and here. So let's just get started. Uh, Susan Mitchell, welcome. Well, thank you, Bruce. I'm happy to be here and and happy to talk to you about uh, one of my favorite topics, uh, which is tax. That's awesome. I'm pleased that it's one of your favorite topics. Full disclosure, not one of my favorite topics, but I think that what we'll try to do is we'll try to make it interesting. We'll try to make it relevant. We'll try to hit the high notes and really just remind people that there are tax consultants available through Military One Source, available not just tax season, but but all through the year. And uh, so we'll put a, a link in the program notes. We'll put the phone number to Military One Source in the program notes, and you can talk to a tax consultant anytime. But Susan, let's just begin by getting to know uh, a little bit about you, because you were a judge advocate when you were in the Army, and you've since retired. So what have you done since retiring in the Army? Sure. Um, yeah, that's right. I uh, When I retired from the Army, uh, I went to work at the Taxpayer Advocate Service uh, in the IRS. Um, and that's an independent organization within the IRS that, that helps taxpayers who who have problems that are causing financial difficulty and, and they work to resolve taxpayer issues, um, you know, after the usual channels of, of dispute resolution have been exhausted. And so great organization. And, and I always like to talk about uh, taxpayer advocate service, uh, not only their services available to civilians, but they're uh, available to service members and their families. I now serve, um, as you mentioned, as the DOD Tax Council and, and the Executive Director of the Armed Forces Tax Council. In the military, I, I served as, uh, you know, in the, in the JAG Corps as, as a lawyer. Right before I retired, I was the Associate General Counsel at the Defense Prisoner of War Missing in Action uh, Accounting Agency, so DPAA. Um, now, when I was in the position, the agency was called uh, JPAC, uh, which was the Joint POW-MIA Accounting Command. And in, in that job, I advised commanders and teams, uh, you know, who were 
operating in these missions worldwide um, to recover and identify service members who were missing in action from, you know, past wars uh, that our country has been involved in and, and repatriate their remains to their families. And, you know, I always mention that job. I'd say that these jobs were probably the most impactful um, on me, but, you know, I've, I've always served in, in positions where I felt like I could just help others, serve others. Um, you know, even, even uh, starting in my 20s when I served as a civilian police officer for several years before I started law school full time. So, so anyway, that, that gives you an idea of what my uh, background is. Uh, my focus is purely on tax law nowadays, um, which is great because I still feel like I can make a, an impact on, uh, on these um, service members and DOD employees. Well, we thank you for your service. Uh, fascinating work with repatriation, but also fascinating also with tax law. And and perhaps you can talk a little bit. You, you mentioned the, the impactful nature of helping people with their taxes because, um, you know, it gets into so many aspects of a person's life. Can you talk a little bit about the impact of, of helping somebody with their taxes? Yeah. That's what's so great about the tax consultants at Military One Source. They're there to help and they're available 24 uh, seven, 365 days a year. Um, tax law can be intimidating. I fully realize that, you know, I haven't always done my own taxes, for instance. You know, th that's the good thing about being in this position is that I provide tax advice to, to DOD um, now, you know, interpreting existing tax law regulations, you know, any rulings that are um, requested by various DOD offices and agencies. And then I coordinate the DOD position on how federal, state, and local taxation affects military members. And, and then, of course, I, I get to participate in media uh, interviews in conjunction with the annual tax filing uh, season, such as this podcast. But, you know, even though I'm in the position of tax law, you know, I I don't get to help one-on-one -on -one with taxes as much uh, anymore, but um, some things do trickle up to me and I'm able to get involved, but um, certainly advocate on, on behalf of service members and their families in, in my interpretation of, of existing tax law and proposing uh, tax legislation that will be um, helpful. So that gives you an idea of, you know, kind of what my position is and why I think that you know, I'm still serving in a position that can be impactful. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about tax law. And specifically, what we're going to do is we're going to cover two areas. So we're going to kind of do a quick drive by on a couple of um, tax laws that recently changed. And then we're going to take a little bit of time and we're going to talk about moving. Because specifically within moving, there are so many aspects of, of a military move that translate into filing your taxes over here and over here and over here. And it, it, it's there's just a lot to it. So I think what we want to achieve here is to give people an idea of what to look out for when putting together their, their tax filings. And just as a reminder to, to let people know that help is available through them through Military One Source. So let's just get, yeah, let's just get into um, some of the things that happened last year. We, we had a pandemic. <laughs> 
<laughs> we had the continuation of a pandemic. And, uh, and so that resulted in uh, stimulus payments. And can you talk about those, please? Yes, absolutely. You uh, mentioned the continuation of the pandemic. You know, really, it's the third tax season that is impacted by, by COVID, uh, even though we've really only been dealing with the pandemic for two years now. But it's the third tax season that's impacted by some of these unique rules and challenges uh, due to the pandemic. But there are um, a few changes that impact a large number of people to include you know, service members and, and their families and DOD employees, um, you know, and of course, every year we see the customary increases to tax brackets and, and the standard deduction, um, you know, as well as other extensions to a few uh, tax provisions, um, you know, brought on by either COVID or, or even before then, um, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. But but as you mentioned, one of those COVID-related tax changes dealt with the economic impact payments. So if you recall, the American Rescue Plan Act, which was enacted in March of 2021, authorized a third round of, of stimulus checks, which was actually an advanced payment of a, of a credit called the Recovery Rebate Credit. So um, these checks were for $1,400 plus every dependent in your family also uh, qualified for an additional $1,400. Not everyone received that amount or, or they didn't receive anything because the payments were phased out depending on how uh, much you, you earned. But for people who were eligible for a check and, and did not receive a payment or got less than, the, than what they should have received, they can receive a tax credit on this year's return. So, so when they file their 2021 tax return, these taxpayers just have to reconcile that third stimulus check that they received, if any, you know, with the recovery rebate credit that they're entitled to claim. Interesting. All right, let's change directions. This time, let's talk about the charitable cash donation deduction. Yes, there were changes. You know, if you recall on last year's return, there was a temporary provision in the CARES Act that allowed for up to three hundred dollars uh, deduction per tax return if uh, you donated cash to a charitable organization, and, and that was even if you didn't itemize your taxes, even if you only had it took the standard uh, deduction. For this year's tax return, that benefit has expanded to up to $300 per person. And so what that means is that if you're married and filing jointly, you could be eligible for up to a $600 deduction for, for charitable cash donations. And, and again, you know, the great thing about this um, particular deduction is that it's available even to those taxpayers who are taking that standard deduction. Alrighty. And let's move on to the next item uh, on our list. It's the earned income tax credit. Yes, that is another change that is a, a good one to mention. The American Rescue Plan, um, again, that was enacted last year, expanded and increased that credit for, for this year. And, you know, the largest changes to the to the earned income tax credit apply to taxpayers who don't have any qualifying children. Um, I mean, the, you know, still those with children can still claim the earned income tax credit, which is um, super beneficial um, to many, many people that are in the military. But this year, it lowers that minimum age from 25 down to 19 years old. 
which would certainly impact a lot of the uh, our junior uh, service members. It also, on the other end of the spectrum, it also eliminates that maximum age limit of 65. So, so older people without qualifying children can can claim the 2021 credit too. And then one other thing that might be uh, worth mentioning is that taxpayers can use either their 2019 earned income or their 2021 income, you know, depending on which one would would boost that credit amount. So they can try it both ways and see see which one is uh, is more beneficial. All right. Uh, Let's move on to the child tax credit. Absolutely. You, You know, one of the biggest changes in regard to the child tax credit is to the amount for 2021, this year's tax return, it jumps from $2,000 to $3,000 for, for most children and even up to $3,600 for, for children who are five years old and younger. Another important change to that credit is that it's fully refundable. And what that means is that the IRS, uh, it, they can issue you a refund check for the refundable amount if the credit is actually worth more than your income tax liability. So, you know, huge benefit there. This is a credit that we've heard a lot about uh, in the media um, for this year as, as being one of the big changes. And I think that's probably because half of the 2021 credit amount was paid in advance through monthly payments that started in July of last year and ended in December. Um, so then taxpayers you know, claim the other half of the credit on their 2021 tax return and then reconcile the payments that they've already received. So interesting. All right. And then next up is the child and dependent care credit. Susan, what is there to know about this? Yes, the the child and dependent care credit. Yes, those those changes are temporary, but um, but more people will qualify, and the credit is worth more than ever before, which is which is a, a huge benefit for service members as well. Depending on their income, taxpayers can get a credit worth fifty percent of their qualifying childcare expenses, and like I said, that can be a huge benefit. You know, even if they have multiple children, it, it can be as much as sixteen thousand uh, dollar credit. So, another thing that's is a change to this is that the full amount, the full child and dependent care credit, uh, will be allowed for families who make less than one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars a year. And then after that, the credit starts to phase out. Um, actually, all the way up until a family earns uh, $438,000. So a big change to, to that credit and, and it will impact um, you know, most people who have children. It is impactful. And, um, and, this is, and this is by far the longest conversation I've had about taxes in a very, very long time. So <laughs> I thank you for being here to help me through it. Absolutely. So let's uh, let's turn the corner just a little bit and just kind of dig into one particular topic that's uh, you know somewhat unique to the military and that's moving all the time. So there's just expenses all around. There's just things to consider. So wherever you want to wherever you want to start with that, that would be great. 
Yeah. Well, as you know, you know, what makes, I mean, one of the things that makes um, working in the military uh, unique is just the sheer number of moves that you undergo, um, you know, during a, a career. So everyone is in the same boat as far as moving to their next duty station. And I always think that it's important to mention that service members are, are permitted to to deduct the reasonable unreimbursed expenses is how the IRS puts it of relocating without having to meet distance and time tests. So, you know, I don't even know if it's worth, you know, talking about the distance test and the time test, but, but this deduction for moving expenses was temporarily uh, repealed for, for tax years 2018 through 2025 under the tax cuts and jobs act um, for most taxpayers, civilian taxpayers, service members um, get to continue to deduct those moving expenses and and exclude those qualified moving expense reimbursements during those years. As long as the move is part part of an authorized uh, PCS, you know, and I just want to emphasize that part because if they're voluntarily moving which has happened in, you know, even in my career, you know, moved from one rental home to another rental home, didn't necessarily need to. But even those service members, uh, unfortunately, they they no longer get to deduct those moving expenses from their taxes. It's only if it's part of an authorized permanent change of station. But what about taxpayers who are interested in putting their home up in the market? Because it is a hot market. What are the rules that uh, apply in this case? Yeah, absolutely. I can't really advise on whether this is a good time to sell, but gosh, you're right. It's uh, it's definitely a hot housing market. You know, it's important to, you know, kind of talk about capital gains taxes. You know, all taxpayers, whether they're civilian or military, can, can generally avoid paying capital gains taxes when they sell their home if, if they owned and used it as their qualifying principal residence for two out of the five years preceding the sale. And again, this, you know, that rule can be used by both civilians and and military service members to exclude up to $250,000 in gains for for individuals. And then if they're married, for married couples, um, they can exclude up to $500,000 in capital gains. So the, the great thing for service members, though, is that they can suspend or ignore that five year test period for up to 10 years when they're assigned to a to a duty station that's at least 50 miles from the house uh, for for a period of 90 days or more. And, you know, that that period of suspension, it, it can't last longer than than 10 years and it can only be used for one property at a time, but it's still really beneficial to folks who are moving often and can't it's a particular year where it's not a good year to put the house up for sale. So, you know, for these folks, if you ignore those five years, a service member has up to 15 years total that, that he or she can count when, when they sell a home that, you know, may have appreciated over those 15 years. And again, it's not that they, they have to sell at the end of those 15 years, but anytime after that's going to be prorated in terms of gain. So important. There's another item that I wanted to talk about, and that is called the Military Spouse Residency Relief Act. So I will start off with giving you a couple of 
acronyms and what they stand for, because uh, as we all know, the military really likes all of their acronyms. The Service Members Civil Relief Act is the SCRA, and the Military Spouses Residency Relief Act is the MSRRA. And, you know, it might be helpful to talk first about... um, the Service Member Civil Relief Act, which which um, was amended, that's that was the law that was amended by the Military Spouses Residency Relief Act. So, um, under the SCRA, if you're in the military, your resident state is your state of legal residency, and um, your state of legal residency is usually your home of record. Um, the the state recorded by the military is your home when you join the military. That's normally what what it is for most folks. Um, and that state is considered your resident state for as long as you're on active duty. You know, and even if you're stationed in another state, you're still considered a resident of your your state of legal residency. To change your state of legal residency, you you can't just change your paycheck records. You have to submit a a DD form 2058 to, you know, local finance office. And and each state um, decides on whether a service member has to file a return when when they're stationed outside of their resident state. So it's all depending on that state law. I always encourage everyone to check your individual state website for for more information when you when you arrive in a new state because like I said every state differs but the military spouses residency relief act I said amended the SCRA and applies to spouses. Um, so you know just to give you a little background before 2009 military spouses generally had to pay income taxes to the state where their spouses were stationed. But under the MSRRA, the military spouses can choose to be treated as if they lived, you know, still lived in their previous state of of residence. So now up until 2018, it was also required that that residence had been established with their military spouse at the time that they both lived there uh, simultaneously. That's no longer the case. It was the Veterans Benefits and Transition Act of 2018 that allows uh, spouses to make that choice, you know, regardless of, of when they were married. So to qualify under the MSRRA, as long as ser- a service member is stationed, there's a few requirements. As long as they're stationed in compliance with military orders and they're in a state that's not his or her resident state and the non-military spouse is in that state solely to live with the service member and both that service member and spouse have the same resident state, then if a spouse makes, you know, earns wages uh, in that new state, then she or he will only be taxed in their resident state, not by the state that they're currently living in. And when all of those conditions are met, which is normally the case for these spouses that move with their military service members, 
the spouse's income will only be taxed in the the state of legal residency. Um, usually, you find uh, that a, a lot of times with that that state of legal residency is you know Florida or Texas or you know one of the states that don't have uh, state income tax. But but anyway, these rule changes certainly make it easier to file taxes because uh, you know these spouses are not going to have to file you know in different states, uh, etc. So. So little by little, uh, we're making it easier for these service members and spouses that and families that have to uh, move so often. Well, thank you so much for getting into this uh, with us. Is there anything else that you'd like to uh, add before we wrap up? No, I think that covers it. You know, there are, you know, certainly there are tax changes this year that, that we didn't touch on. Um, I tried to just kind of hit some of the more significant ones. But I'm hoping that we don't have a, a, a another tax season that is greatly impacted by COVID. You know, I, I'm hopeful that we're towards the end of that. But um, but certainly, uh, you know, I'm appreciative of of what the IRS and Congress has done to um, to make things a little bit easier for uh, for all of us who've who've dealt with this pandemic over the last couple of years. Well, we appreciate you being here and helping us through all of this today. You know, just as a reminder, we touched on a lot of topics today and uh, through Military One Source, we've got our tax consultants available around the clock, 365. Check the uh, the link and the number in the program notes to uh, get in touch with the tax consultants for you. Susan Mitchell, thank you so much for being with us today. Absolutely. I'm, I'm happy to uh, join you anytime and best of luck to everybody who still uh, needs to file their their tax return. You've got a few more days, but if you're anything like me, I, I still have not filed my own tax tax return uh, this year. So uh, best of luck to everybody. Oh, well, then we're an excellent company. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Susan Mitchell is the executive director of the Armed Forces Tax Council. She also serves as tax counsel for the Department of Defense. Military One Source is an official resource of the Department of Defense with tools and articles to help military families navigate military life, uh, including taxes and a bunch of other topics. Um, Be sure to subscribe to this podcast because we're going to be touching on all kinds of topics in the coming episodes to uh, make military life the best uh, that it can be for you. So thank you very much. I'm Bruce Moody. Appreciate you being with us today. Bye-bye. 